You are listening to the We Hired a Sitter for This podcast. We hired a sitter for this. We have a roster of like seven sitters. I hate authority, but I'm a mom. I'm an old man. I need orthopedic shoes. The laughs, the chuckles, the TMI. Some people might say, why would you have kids? The oceans are rising. The economy's collapsing. And they're not wrong. I'm Ross. And I'm Patrick. And we hired a sitter. Hey, hey, welcome to We Hired a Sitter for This. How's it going? Welcome to the show. We didn't hire a sitter for this. Yeah, actually, our child is at daycare. We have a staff of sitters today. She's at daycare. We pay $1,350 a month for her to go there. Not anymore. Yeah, except this, this, this month, we got a deep discount. It's called that. That 3K, New York City 3K, Universal 3K Yeah, we got that New York City supplemental subsidized educational fee waived or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually only paid $700, which we realized um, just a little bit ago that only $700 came out of our account, but we thought $1,350 had, and we were like, oh, we broke. But we're still broke. (laughs) We have we have a bonus six fifty, but where is it? Where's that bonus six fifty? Like, oh, we would have been in trouble. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's got a staff of daycare technicians, I staff hitmen, sure, hired guns, hitmen. No, that's day not players. appropriate. Oh, day players, show blacks. Uh, no, she, that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, you're talking about what you wear. Shows, I mean clothes. Clothes for catering. Clothes for for shows. shows. Yeah. (laughs) God. What's going on with you? How's how's your day? What do you What did you do? Did you teach yoga today? I did not teach yoga, but I took yoga. You attended yoga. Yeah, I took a class at um, your home studio, though. Yes, at the studio that I teach at, which um, I guess that is new information yeah that's the big update last episode i mentioned in my uh solo soliloquy mm. say that twice solo fast. soliloquy solo soliloquy solo soliloquy you up me you said i'll do it twice and i'll do it thrice oh, yeah. and i'm like it's actually not hard solo soliloquy solo soliloquy solo soliloquy Ooh, that one's hard for you i can roll my tongue and you cannot so i win yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, you started teaching yoga like a lot, and you've got yeah. a you've got a home studio in Ridgewood, Queens. Yeah, Onderdonk Avenue, right there. So bring your little badonkadonk down to Onderdonk and do some yoga with Ross. Mm. Can you hear the eye rolls? The eye rolls are still there. They can see it because I've got this uh, little tiny camera here. Little tiny camera. Um, I teach yoga now regularly i was teaching just one class a week to some teenagers which i do enjoy but that was a little bit of some imposter syndrome behavior where i was like i'll just hide out and teach children because i'm not qualified to teach adults oh you think it was conscious or subconscious that that was happening somewhere in between like you were like well i don't know isn't it good though to kind of ease into a new career or endeavor i think it worked for me to do it like that like it certainly served me i gained a lot of confidence by starting slow and teaching younger people feeling like lower stakes like which i've had some people be like how is it lower stakes like teaching kids is so hard and like i'm not teaching a huge room full of kids they're a little bit older like 
low stakes to me is like I don't have to teach like crazy fancy poses or yeah. like even create like a very elaborate class. So that's why it felt a little bit easier to me. Um, they're immediately, well, I assume they're immediately impressed. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they're not. I had a few girls that were not and they didn't come back. But um, but you had like a little crew. You had like some repeat. Yeah. You had like a little, I don't want to say fan club because that seems condescending, but like you had some regulars that yeah. really connected to you. Yeah, there was a couple in particular. They were so sweet and I'm hoping they'll, I'm going to start teaching it again in September. Um, but in the meantime, I had a, a yoga teacher friend who I was talking to about like how to make moves and like, should I start auditioning at other studios, blah, blah, blah. Or like did his studio have a kids program or whatever? And he was like, Ross, I think you want to teach adults. Yeah. And him just like saying that to me really was like the fire that kind of lit something under my ass. Yeah. Sometimes you need permission from a peer to just say like, Hey, stop, stop dicking around and like go yeah. for it. Stop hiding out. Like take a plunge, take a risk, take the plunge. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about being perfect. Cause you're not going to be anyway. Yeah. And right around that time... Are we talking Connor Alexander? We are, yeah. I knew that was Connor Alexander yeah. <laughs> language. Peer pressuring you. <laughs> he was like, just looking at me like dead in the eyes. And he was like, Ross, I think you want to teach adults. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I and think it you're is, right. It's one of those jobs that you have to get better at doing while you're doing it. Yes. Which is the exact same thing with comedy. It's like, you just decide someday, like, I'm going to be a comic now. Yeah. And I have to go do it every day. Yes. And that's the only way. There's yeah. no, like, you can do workshops and classes, which I have done and have helped me tremendously. And you did your training yeah. and stuff like that. But it's the daily repetitions and practice of doing it. Uh, so, wow, that's cool. Uh, when <laughs> when was when was training? Remind me. when you 2019. Your... It was a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. It was a long time ago. And the program that I did, it was like, there whatever it was a perfectly fine training i got a lot out of it every yoga teacher training has its flaws and imperfections like nothing is perfect um but there wasn't really an opportunity to teach afterwards and that is included in a lot of um teacher trainings is that they like create space for like um a sliding scale class where like new teachers are teaching so like it's advertised. People know they're coming to classes with new teachers. It's usually cheaper. And that was not something that was offered to us. And, you know, I love to like blame that as the reason why it took me so long. Um, but whatever. Anyways, it honestly, a lot of it had to do with becoming a parent, the pandemic. I'm like, I've got nothing to lose. I don't fucking care. Yeah. I still really enjoy this thing. And it took what it took so yeah and i think the pandemic was a good and and yeah having franny i think probably uh made us both think a lot about like how do i want to spend my life and yeah. spend my time and uh turns out the fashion industry was not filling your heart no <laughs> our pockets yeah. yes yeah um but yeah, and you know, I like started doing some like birth work training, which is like doula stuff and like childbirth education stuff. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that. And I was just sort of taking the trainings to see where the interest was. And um, I really had it in my head that I had to do something with that 
first. And so I like had all of these things in my head of like, okay, I have to finish this training. Then I can start a doula business and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, I'm just like sitting on this teacher training. Like I'm a yoga teacher. I know how to teach yoga. Like, why am I not doing anything with that? And so it was like coming to terms with that, hating the fashion industry, like resenting these jobs I was getting, them feeling so unfulfilling, work being really slow, feeling like the tide turning a bit in the industry. Um, And also just seeing like no nowhere for me to go in yeah. the industry. I'm like, I'm just kind of stuck here, I think, because I don't want to do a bunch of fucking jobs where I'm like hustling around and like buying clothes or picking up clothes or like I just what a nightmare. And I, there's something interesting about how like in fashion, I think what attracts you to fashion is the creativity and the artistry of it and clothes and expressing ego too expressing oneself with clothes uh yeah and i guess like working in a cool industry but like i think there's something that you probably will take into your work with young women uh and young new moms with the birth work but also yoga working with people around how they feel about their bodies yeah and how we all carry our body through the world like there's some relationship between clothes and body and wellness and health yeah perhaps you're just uh the chapter in your life as it relates to clothes and what we put on our bodies is over and or that chapter is closing and now you're moved on to uh you know birth (laughs) and movement man (laughs) am i just making i i don't i don't know if i'm making any sense but uh, perhaps it's all related I, I mean, it's definitely all related and it's all like, I mean, it's my path, like regardless. So, um, but this feels very authentic to me, but I also, which I've said to you off mic, uh, I, you know, I don't really have a regret like, oh, I should have done all of this sooner. Like I do very much feel like it all, the trajectory makes sense. I'm comfortable enough in my own skin give less fucks about things that don't matter my priorities have shifted enough where i'm like no i need to do this and thankfully universe fucking coincidence whatever i found out about the studio that was just opening and i was like okay this is like a good opportunity to audition and apply and it's weird honestly i mean these are like such stupid details but it was like i had just paid somebody to make me a resume a styling resume because I'm like I need somebody to like create a format for me because I just like cannot yeah (laughs) with like a fucking excel microsoft word office whatever because you were like doing some outreach to new uh, other studios that wanted a fucking resume as opposed to just images which is kind of rare in my business so I paid this woman to make a style through LinkedIn you through got LinkedIn. on LinkedIn well no I was referred to her but it was through LinkedIn you uploaded your LinkedIn profile picture <laughs> it's just you in a men's warehouse collar like you know when you get your senior pictures and they put that thing on you and it's not even an actual suit or a dress it's just like I cropped I don't know that because we didn't have that really because I went to a bougie school that didn't do that yeah I I they had a thing where if it was the graduation gown it was just like a sleeve that 
ended. It was a dicky. Like outside the frame, it that was just so like weird. a frayed edge on the bottom. That is so <laughs> right? weird. <laughs> I think that was just like one one time I can remember. Everything about life is just so weird if you stop and think I about it. I mean, that's it. what's fun about photography and like anything visual, a visual art. I love thinking about what's outside of the frame, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. This, a sad yearbook photo set is like oh, it's just like that's bleak some dude showed up in his ford focus dragged his gear into the his school ford focus. probably making a killing <laughs> i mean i don't know about a killing but hopefully a good dollar you yeah know? yeah a good dollar and that's what you're trying to that's do is my make country a good song. dollar i'm making a good dollar well i quit the clothing business <laughs> and i stopped selling them denims because i'm trying to make myself a good dollar. dollar trying to make a good dollar i get home and my wife hollers honey where's those dollars <laughs> and i say i poured them down my throat with a beer that's pretty good um, Nashville, where yeah. I love country music now. Did I, t- have I shown you my cool country playlist on Spotify? We're, we're not doing this. It's so good. Here's my it's argument. It's so cool. Here's my argument <laughs> it's for, cute. here's my argument for country music. The lyrics are the funniest lyrics in any genre. Oh, sure. Like the jokes are way better than a lot of other genres. You're not laughing at it. You're laughing with it. You think it's like intentionally yeah, smart. Yeah, like there's a lot of wry humor, a lot of irony, a lot of uh, just mm. really good lyricism. I'm really good lyricism. I'll, I'll come back next week with I'm examples. So yes, tune I, in. I would like that, please. Come back next week for episode 115. This is episode 114 wow. that of our podcast. Yeah. Uh, we changed names just two episodes ago, but... Uh, Welcome back to the show. <laughs> so we were saying. <laughs> uh, welcoming everyone back to the show in the middle of starting the show. And what's fun is if you listen long enough to this podcast, you will hear me have a stroke on the air. Oh, don't say that. Because I just had, must have had a mini one. I can't take care of you too. I, I can't. Know. Well, Franny, she'll get old enough to where she's a part of the caretaking. Oh, God. I don't wish that for her. All right. So you get the, you get the so. resume made and the universe said no. No, we won't take your resume. We're not accepting resumes. We actually want you to go to this other business now. But then I used that template to make my own yoga teaching resume. Wow. And so it paid off. Yeah. So the LinkedIn account. It paid off. Paid back dividends. I paid the woman like $200 and... uh, yeah, I just like plugged and chugged. Wait, you paid her $200. She's making a good dollar. <laughs> She's making a good dollar for people that are like too easily frustrated by Microsoft Word. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I ended up using that for my yoga resume, submitted it to the studio, set up an audition. and Everyone yoga. Everyone Yoga in Ridgewood, Queens, New York. That place has the most spacious, airy studio space it I've ever the, been in in New York City. It it's is the so biggest nice. studio in town. Yeah. <laughs> it's really beautiful. Yeah, it's great. It's, I really, really love teaching there. And like the owners are awesome. It's three women, um, two women of color, like really want to be inclusive and create community and make yoga accessible for people and really open to feedback. And they just want to like create space and invite 
different types of yoga, different types of teaching in the space. It's like, I'm not kidding. It is the first job I've ever had that I truly feel like I'm being celebrated for who I am as opposed to like silenced. You're not yeah, being silenced. Or like, you know, just like you have that feeling of like, oh, I'm being a little too big right now. Didn't you, know? you recently discover at one of your photo studios that somebody, there was a noise <laughs> complaint or something? I mean, who knows? Because like some shady old bitch was the one that told me, but was like, you know why you weren't being hired at that other place for a while, which I didn't even know that that's, I don't Do I, I don't know the shady know, old bitch? I do. Right? Yeah, you know yeah. the shady old bitch. Um, that's hilarious. But I don't know if it's even true or if he was just trying to like get under my skin because I did not process anything like I wasn't being hired by this place. He was like, well, you know, somebody said that your laugh was too loud. And, wow. I, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, who fucking cares, In man? other words, you know you're not being hired there because they don't like fun. They don't like fun. They don't like to laugh. They don't like people that can be productive while also being themselves and having a good time. There's a sign on the door that says, leave your joy here. But that's actually like the place that the, he claimed I wasn't being hired at. I like felt actually very embraced and liked there. So mm. I don't know. Honestly, it was just like, I'm now in my, I don't give a fuck era where it's like, I go to these styling jobs and I'm not trying to like burn bridges, but like this shit really is like rolling off my fucking back yeah. because I'm just like, who the fuck cares? All right, let's do a quick update on what your life looks like day to day. Because okay. you're also doing this postpartum doula work. Which yes. You've been worked with a few families now where yes. it's like you go to their house, you help the new mom juggle yes. tasks, caretake the child. Yes. Uh, sounds really easy, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, I wanted to take my nighttime unpaid labor and put it into paid labor. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But but so for the last month or two, you've been doing a lot of yoga, a lot of postpartum doula with a sprinkle of fashion work yes. in there. Um, um, last week I did all three. Yeah. All three careers. I, 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 I did, I've done all three of my careers these last two days. Yeah, today you got, you got all yesterday. the careers. Yeah. So I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about We're like, a mess. what happens... <laughs> I, like I think we should just talk out like what it is like to sacrifice security and solvency and predictability uh, for pursuing what feels like your way of being of service to the world is and uh, what your heart wants, etc. Like I mean, ten years ago, in March it'll be ten years ago, or no, December. This December, it'll be ten years from when I like. Wow. consciously stopped producing full shows that's crazy i stopped wearing show blacks <laughs> and i i mean you still slip into those yeah <laughs> well I, I slip into show blacks for like quick work yes quick yes, video yes, yes. work but yeah. like i i just decided i can't do these long form teenage drama tv shows because it was like killing make, you it was making me crazy um but the trade-off was like i was turning down six figure years on like yeah. like repetitively uh for a huge unknown and it did drive us into real financial insecurity <laughs> and debt um like there was a cost which we're dealing with yeah so there was a big cost to doing that and now you're you're basically doing the same thing <laughs> yes. you've learned nothing 
from my patterns and my mistakes. <sighs> but, but hopefully... No, now, we're, now we're doing it with a plan. Um, yes. So I don't know. Paint a picture of like, I, I think like hearing some numbers, like what can you make in a day on a photo set compared to teaching a yoga class or two in a day or yeah. yoga plus postpartum doula. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever you're comfortable sharing. Uh, I'll tease that later in this episode, I will spell out for you the kind of money I do or don't make as a comic. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's later in the episode. But for now, maybe you can paint that picture for us, for you. Yeah, we have decided we're getting kind of transparent because money is a taboo thing that um, people are so scared to talk about numbers specifically. So this is going to be one of our talking taboos which was one of the early oh yeah one of the early, early titles i was throwing around which <laughs> is the word taboos but talking taboos <laughs> we are talking taboos okay so taboo so, number one ta money money honey um so last week uh i worked i taught two yoga classes one at 8 30 one at 10 my 8.30 class was very well attended. I think it was maybe like 14 or 15 people. So a common thing in, in yoga teaching is there's like a flat rate. And then like once you get over a certain number of people in your class, you make a few extra dollars on each head. In, in showbiz terms, we're talking about a guarantee. Yeah. Plus a door deal. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So... This studio is $45 base. That's your guarantee. Flat. That's your guarantee, which is a hint low, but it's a brand new studio. Like they're literally, they're in the hole. So um, and the other studio I work at, I think it's 55 And the base. class is an hour long, but you also have to get there probably 15 and I do, minutes early. And I do at least an hour, if not more of planning before yeah. I teach, um, making playlists, et cetera. Yep. Which students are loving. They're loving the I've playlist. Got a really good country western playlist. <laughs> it's called Cool Country on Spotify. Um, so then after seven people, you're making three dollars for every additional person. Mm -hmm. Um so it's like, oh, and I think it caps at a hundred. So like the most I can make per class is a hundred dollars, which mm. I have not made yet. Um, but I think between I think I've made around like 70 or 80 or something um, so that class was fuller I think maybe I made $60 on that class and then 45 on the next class and then because I'm a newer doula I'm offering people sliding scale because I haven't actually finished my like official training yet which in doula world there is no real certification it's like you do a training that private training is like we can certify you like you pay us a certain amount we'll like add a couple extra things i think it helps like i know when i looked for a doula like i did want to see some like training certifications whatever tonight i'm actually taking a infant safety and cpr zoom class to like add into the mix um so this family's only paying me $30 an hour right now. And I then I worked four hours for them. So like, yeah, I made like $120 for the, for the doula work. 
And then maybe we'll say on the low side, I made a hundred dollars from the two classes. So, you know, it's a it's a long day and it's a lot of work for two hundred and twenty dollars before taxes. (laughs) And you were hustling from one end of Queens to the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and yeah, like, I guess a big piece of the context that has to be filled in is that we live in New York City where it's like. It, it's expensive to live here. Yes. It's like we have a mortgage, you know, maybe in an, uh, another episode we can list out what yeah, our expenses are. Yeah, I mean, it's not are, to but... say that $220 is not a fair amount of money. Like people survive yeah. on much less, even though like the, they shouldn't. The world should be providing, right. you know, society should be providing for them more. But, um, you know, you also get accustomed to a certain way of living. I So then the next day I did a styling job and I was exhausted after that day yeah what's too. crazy the other element is that you are working out like, <laughs> multiple multiple times a day when teaching well and it was like that day in particular which you know is kind of like what i'm going for is like a couple yoga classes and then maybe like a doula shift and i mean i find it so rewarding i really like that i'm just like my own free agent like running around doing these things and like being of service to people and um I will say the more I'm teaching, the less I'm physically exerting myself. I mean, it's still like putting out energy, of course, but I'm not like full out. Like now that I've been taking a few classes this week, I'm like, oh, I'm like not doing my classes mm. because I'm very sore Gotcha. <laughs> like while I'm teaching. Um, but anyway, uh, and then the doula stuff, it's like I am cooking, cleaning. Um, I'm usually I have like this family I've been like baby wearing, which is like, I'm basically have this infant strapped to me with a baby wrap. So like I was like loading and unloading the dishwasher, like while wearing a 10 pound baby on the front of me. (laughs) Did you do any vacuuming with the baby? I did not do vacuuming. Because you've been vacuuming like, like a real mom. (laughs) You have like a vacuuming fetish. I do. You can't be stopped. I know. It's like multiple times a week. I look up and you're just hunched over with either <laughs> a dust buster or a... I got to get a better vacuum for myself, honestly. Yeah, I've entered I, that era now. Uh, you're like, I'm going to be asking for like a fucking Dyson for Christmas or some shit. Oh my God. Yeah. You... Uh, woman's well, work. I'm doing fucking woman's work. I'm fucking... I've circled back. I'm back around. This is the most domesticated you've ever been. Yeah. So I was like... At, which, I mean, it's also very like... It feels very witchy. Coven. Coven, like divine you're, feminine. You're like not women. doing housework. You're doing coven work. I'm doing coven work. I'm doing, um, I mean, not to say I'm a firm believer in that not all people who give birth are women. So let me just say that. I've supported, I've only supported women so far. Um, but some people do not identify as women who give birth. That's my little spiel okay i'm just writing this down to remember for the future yes please um it's important because there's a lot of trans and non-binary people out here having children as well um so but it does feel like divine feminine work like going back to like another time where people are helping each other and supporting each other and like learning trades like from another era or something like learning how to wear a baby comfortably and being able to take that off of the load of the person who had just given birth. And this woman is like an incredible cook and she um, 
And she also has a four-year-old daughter, so I've been like interacting with her a lot too. And uh, she's a stay-at-home mom, and so she has she does a lot of cooking and baking, and has a fully stocked kitchen. Like her kitchen and pantry, I like. We she would come in our kitchen and be like, "What the hell is going on?" She's like, "Have you ever heard of a grocery store?" Like she has like herbs like frozen and like labeled in the freezer with like little organized shelves and shit. It's like yeah. bananas. So she makes her own elderberry syrup, which is like something that you can take to help your immune system. And she was like, oh, like on the like and I'll ask a family like, you know, what are some things that you like would like to check off the list today while I'm here? Because usually I'll only stay for like four, maybe five hours. And she was like, oh, we need to make more elderberry syrup. And I was very upfront with her. Like, I want to be a better cook. I can follow directions, but it's like not my thing. Yeah. You know, so I was like, just send me a recipe. Tell me where the stuff is. It'll happen. You know, this is my first time ever doing something like this. I'm like sieving like elder dried elderberries and like fucking mortar and pestle fucking cloves and shit. Like. I'm like, I'm a goddamn witch, okay? (laughs) Just with a over the cauldron Mm -hmm. with your big stick and the the steam is coming up and Bette Midler and Cher are there. If only. That would be... You're in Salem, Massachusetts (laughs) for Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. So anyways, I did that. I was so tired from that day. Made my $220. And then the next day I went and did a styling gig, um, which... Was a kind of long day. It was maybe like eight, eight hours. And for the uninitiated, uh, on on photo sets, there's a stylist who works with the photographer, and the stylist will manipulate the clothing or the product in front of the camera, whether it's on a human model or a mannequin or on a tabletop. It's it's a way of manipulating the clothes like a sculptor, so that it photographs the way the company would like it to look on screen. Wow. And it's very physical work. It's very repetitive work. It can be sometimes frustrating. Yes. This is what I've assessed from an outsider's point of view. That's a perfect description. Uh, But you're often hunched over things. (laughs) I'm hunched. I'm hunched at home vacuuming. I'm hunched over tables, (laughs) fluffing and folding and manipulating. And undoing all the hunches at yoga class. Correct. Um... But this was a relatively easy styling day. It wasn't like I do mostly still life styling, which is like manipulating the clothes and the accessories, et cetera, to make them photo ready. And uh, I made $550 yeah, that day. Which is on the lower end of your That is on the lower rate. end. Yeah. I usually make between five and $700 yeah. for this work. Which is like such an interesting thing about how the world works and capitalism because it's like you're working for what are probably evil corporations they're definitely just, evil just corporations po- pollution alone which is part uh, of my motivation for getting out of it uh, labor structures you know god knows what they're paying the people who actually manufacture the clothes yeah uh and then you know to to compare and contrast like how you make that money in an environment like a photo set compared to how you make money when you're actually helping human beings with their bodies and their children and the feeding of those children and community-based mm. stuff it's like capitalism says no that's not worth the same no 
So we don't value that here. No. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Keep pinning those bras to the board, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are several children who lost fingers and knuckles making that clothes. Oh so God. make it look good. Okay. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm still split between those worlds currently. Um, but I also, you know, I feel really, I was just saying this to my therapist the other day that I feel so fucking lucky that I have a partner like you that you're like, yeah, do it. Like, I don't want you to be unhappy. Like, don't stay in this job that you're like hating and resenting like go do the thing you want to go do yeah you're literally quoting yourself from 10 years ago (laughs) when i said i i can't i'm gonna like go have some fun for a little while well Uh, we had far less responsibilities 10 years ago it's the only problem (laughs) I, i actually met a comic the other night who um he's been in new york for five years he worked in tech and he stopped working and is living off of savings right now. You're like, be careful. <laughs> and, yeah. And I said, hey, I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice. It's, it's none of my business. And I hope you did. You probably did quite well for yourself in your other job. But like I lived off of savings for basically like two or three years. I did some work here and there yeah. at the beginning. And I'm grateful for that time because I did like I did like. 10 to 15 open mics a week yeah and it was just like i just wanted Comedy to figure college. out how to do it you know and i just went for it um but i wish i would have had a a plan like a yeah. financial plan because the savings ran out the yeah. money was gone yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh yeah um but but what's cool about watching you make this decision now is that we are doing it with a plan uh, trying you're here today at the office because we're gonna have our business meeting we are we're family talk, business we're gonna talk money we're gonna we're gonna forecast what money is coming in in the next month yep uh we're gonna look back at some expenses yeah i don't know what else we do uh, during these yeah because i'm kind of in charge of the business meeting which if you had told me that years ago yeah would have laughed right in your face but we we pray when we start. We do, and like it's a little debtors anonymous style. Yeah. Um, which we've talked about a little bit on the pod before. We're not like active members, but we come and go, and we use the principles as best we can because I do find them incredibly helpful and radical. Yeah. Honestly, because a lot of it is about putting your needs before your debt, and not like not taking responsibility for your debt not not taking responsibility for your debt but like making sure that your basic needs and maybe more than just basic needs are met before you're just fucking handing out all your money because usually that leads you back into the same vicious cycle yeah it's a it's a sane way of moving through a really challenging thing yes uh and we yeah, we have a system now because of that. Uh, you survived litigation. Yes, which we mentioned maybe, on the last maybe, episode. Maybe we'll get into the details of that. Maybe we could, we might need to sort of script this conversation, but we could talk about how you went into and survived litigation, how I took on the credit card company and like got an insane payment plan. Yeah. I mean, mine was not sane. It was a little bit of a... Uh, uh, shooting from the hip kind of scenario during yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it worked out in the end. Yeah. Uh, 
so anyway that that feels like too big a can of worms to get into right yeah. now but I just as a tease i went to consumer debt court yeah so and live to tell the tale what a scene that was such a cool oh interesting God. place i've got a lot yeah it is kind of a standalone because it's like there's so many dynamics yeah. at play and it's yeah. it's also very depressing uh oh yeah on how predatory everything is yeah but we had fun yeah <laughs> And also the end of the story is that you As could white say... white people with resources, we had a blast. <laughs> you survived litigation. I survived little litigation. Well, and it was funny, too, because I, I'm just going to tease a little bit. I went to... There's this amazing um, volunteer lawyer project that right. I use to help represent me. And... Well, what's it called again? Because maybe somebody needs it. Um, I, Malin? No, no, that's who I pay. Oh. <laughs> Who, who sued me oh that's who represented the credit card oh and i paid i paid oh, the lawyers that represent I the credit see. card yeah yeah yeah. so yeah. i think it's called it's the something access project. justice oh, okay access justice in brooklyn and they're based out of downtown brooklyn it's like law students that like basically are interning through the supervision of a professor um but you have to kind of go there first to talk about what your um what your lawsuit is or who you're being sued by or whatever. And um, I like told them about debtors anonymous and they were like really curious and um, you know, they're so used to people being like, I, I can't pay any of this. I don't want it. Like we have to figure out how to get to zero here, you know? And I was like, they were like, and bankruptcy is always like the first thing that comes up. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm ready to settle like I can pay some of this like in you know some sort of agreement I just can't pay all of this up front and they were like oh like you're ready to settle you can pay I was like yeah <laughs> like I make we make too much money for us to be like no 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 we can't we can't yeah. you know um, so it was sort of interesting to witness the dynamics of privilege and race and class and i mean there's just like there's a lot to say on the matter but um there could be another one because i do have another credit card <laughs> that yeah. could potentially sue me well maybe yeah maybe we'll tell those stories on the next episode of talking to booze money edition money taboos i just i do think people are so programmed to think that like if you did if you got yourself into debt, and I mean, you hear a lot of this with like the student loan argument too. It's like, well, some people paid all their loans. So like, why should other people get forgiveness? And it's like a very, you know, punishing, punitive conversation around this stuff. Like we are not allowed to make mistakes with money. And yet a lot of people, I would say majority of people are making mistakes with money yeah, all that, the time. And they literally design it. They're like, just read this teeny, teeny, yeah. tiny, fine print. Financial literacy is not <laughs> yeah. something they want us to have, you know? And I'm not saying that that means it's like all the system's fault, but like, I'm kind of saying that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they just set you up for failure. Yeah, and, and it doesn't, and it's not like, it's not indicative of who you are as a person or your value. And I think that that's like a lot of the work that we've done over the years is like, this is not, who this doesn't represent who we are and like 
what matters to us. We're going to deal with it. We're going to take responsibility. We're hopefully going to live our lives a little differently, plan better. I want Fran to have a better understanding of money than I did growing up. Also, all this shit has like changed so much since our parents like became adults. Like there is no job security and fucking like no, nobody our age is like staying at the same job their whole lives. Yeah. Anyway. With that said, maybe it'd be fun. You tell me if this is a good idea or a bad idea. Okay. I was thinking we could just say what our outstanding oh God. Uh, tax bills are because that's the other debt we have is tax debt. Um, we owe roughly $2,600 to New York State uh, and roughly $6,500 to the country. <laughs> so We're just going right into the pockets of the defense system. Is that oh, what it's called? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the defense budget. The yeah. defense budget. It's going into warheads. We yeah. owe $6,500 to warheads. <laughs> Our warhead and nuke debt are... Our oh, military industrial God. complex payment is $6,500. And you might be asking yourself, didn't they plan for this? Why didn't they pay quarterly? <laughs> yeah, why didn't they do quarterly? Why didn't they pay quarterlies? Well, more on that next time on <laughs> Talking Taboos Tax Edition. I mean, all of this to say that, like, we were sharing in a way that we hope will allow other people to feel comfortable and not like we're not sharing this for you to make us feel bad about yeah. the fact that like we don't totally have our shit together um we're sharing this to hopefully help you feel that person out there help them not feel alone with the fact that like we're all struggling in some way shape or form the system is rigged even for the best of us and yeah. you might as well do the thing that you enjoy doing and like be of service in the worlds. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, Oh, what was I going to say? Uh, not, not that you're not alone. Oh, that we, we asked for a lot of help. Like yes. DA was like oh all about like do this with other people. Yes. Get support, pre pressure relief groups, like be, you know, do, don't do it alone. Yeah, uh, the only reason why we're even able to speak about this stuff in a transparent way is because we did it first, like, within the safety of these meetings and met other people that have had the same financial struggles. I mean, there's literally thousands, maybe, maybe just hundreds, I don't know, thousands of people in New York City that go to these meetings that, like, all have money issues, whether yeah. it be debt or under-earning or overspending, like... You know, or, or also people who have like gotten through all those things, yes, and they still go to be supportive to the next person, yes, just like any other 12 step program. It's like when you get your problem solved, it's like part of staying solved is helping someone else, yes. Uh, and you know, I, um, when I first started going there regularly in like 2019, I had. $12,000 of tax debt and I think something around like $25,000 of credit card debt. I don't even consider, I don't even talk about my student loan debt <laughs> because it doesn't even feel immediate in the way that those other two do. But I do have like 
$28,000 in student loan debt as well. Um, but, or no, maybe it's down to 20. Anyway, uh, with the help of other people in that program, I set up a payment plan for my, my tax debt and started paying that monthly and like had a plan to pay it off in a certain amount of time and then just saved for the future. And then I was able to pay off the next year's taxes and I chipped away at this and I think I have like $3,000 left of that tax debt. Yeah. Now, of course, we have some joint tax debt Yeah, now. which are the numbers <laughs> I just mentioned, right? But, you know, it's like we're doing the best we can. Yeah. And, you know, you're not alone. I don't know. Good luck, though. I'm like scared now that we've like revealed. I'm having like a little bit of shame of like, yeah, what the hell are they doing? And with our like, career choices, you mean? Well, like, oh, now she's making less money. They just told us all this debt they have. Like, get it together, people. No. Well, if they do feel that way, fuck them. That's the evil voice. Yeah. She still resides in here. Yeah. She still lives and is kicking and, her feet up. And you're you're like intro postpartum doula rate is gonna change it is and like you're like i you know there's coaching agencies i work for where it's like a hundred dollars an hour minimum so yeah. it's like there are coaching opportunities for you in that world you know like no the numbers are going up in our favor yeah and i know that i'm gonna start leading retreats yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna yeah. go places. S- start, start your own vision board, producer and listener. <laughs> Tell us what you would like to partake in at the. We hired a sitter for this retreat happening in yes. 2024. It'll be yes. yoga classes in the morning, writing workshops in the evening. Oh my god! A nightly show and tell and talent show. That would be so cute. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes. So get your little vision board going what would you like to participate in at the we hired a sitter for this retreat and we'll book it for let's say summer solstice or winter solstice 24 wow summer solstice probably it's a bit further away i i think autumn would be nice but not this autumn no i, I mean like yeah like september late september october 2024 right? i like that yeah i like, like that. 14 months from now yeah okay we'll get, okay vision we'll get a big house in the catskills i love it You'll all pay $4,000 to attend. <laughs> Help us chip away at this debt. Why don't no, you? No, no. We'll do it in a very affordable way that is also solvent and self-sustaining. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think oh, that'd be super fun. I love this. Yeah. I love this. Um, also, apropos, you have 15 years sober today. I do. I was going to record a little thing about that, too, for this episode somewhere okay is now not a good time why well, we gotta do our business meeting i know i know what time I'm is it we gotta hot. pick up the daughter all right well i just want to celebrate you, you and that i'm so proud of you and fucking grateful as hell that i have a sober partner who happens to be a straight white male who i not only do i not hate i love you happen to love a straight <laughs> white male wow <laughs> It's very embarrassing. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Most of you are terrible, but you are not. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. 
All right, stay tuned. More to come. Oh, hey, I'm in the car again. I'm driving home from Pennsylvania right now. And uh, I thought I would just record a little segment while I'm driving to talk about money. Yeah, let me uh, let me just give full context here. I'm driving home in the morning. It's Sunday morning right now. I drove about halfway home last night. The gig ended at 10 p.m., so I drove until midnight. And I stayed at the Red Carpet Inn. Have you heard of this chain? The Red Carpet Inn? Spoiler alert, they didn't roll out the red carpet. And the rooms are sad and a little scary, honestly. And I think a skunk sprayed itself outside my window in the nighttime because I woke up with uh, acidy tummy. Like, you know that acid thing that happens when you're smelling a skunk's uh, discharge? Uh, I also ate like an 11-year-old before bedtime. I, I stopped for snacks in a bathroom at about 11.30 p.m. right outside of Philadelphia and I I went to a 7-Eleven because the Burger King was closed the Arby's was closed so I went to 7-Eleven and I got uh, a chocolate milk which right there I'm like how I need to stop drinking milk nobody a grown person doesn't need milk anymore Uh, chocolate milk is, that's for third graders in the cafeteria, but I get a thing of chocolate milk, and I get a, a a chicken ranch salad, uh, white, on white bread sandwich in the little cooler thing, it's like a wedge, it's like a triangle of sandwich, like in a wedge container, with like a plastic shrink wrap thing on there, God knows when the chicken salad was made, but, uh, paired with uh, spicy chili Doritos, it was a, a, a delightful snack to eat in the car in the middle of the night in the parking lot. I should have recorded then with my eating sounds uh, of me just being a very sad road warrior out there in the nighttime eating garbage. Uh, but that's not all. That's not the only food items I got. I also got a sleeve of those little tiny donuts. Uh, Hostess calls them donuts. This, this was the 7-Eleven brand. And that was all I was going to get. And I'm paying for the food. And the guy says, hey, you can add a pie for a dollar. And uh, there was a basket of little uh, like empanada-shaped pies, like cream-filled pies, so of course I got the chocolate cream pie, because it was a dollar, and I said, good job upselling, I remember learning about upselling when I worked at the movie theater, um, and listen, I'm about to talk about money, I'm not really a high roller, but I paid for this food with a hundred dollar bill, I said, can you take a, can you break a large bill, and he said yes, and I give him a hundred dollar bill, uh, which is was was leftover cash from a gig I did two weeks ago in New Jersey, where I did 25 minutes of comedy and got 300 bucks in crisp hundos from a wonderful producer out there named Helene Angley. She's a hysterical comic, uh, dry bar special on the internet. Check her out. 
and her shows are always good, they're always well attended, people pay uh, real money to go see her shows, and I'm grateful she hires me, and uh, she pays properly, and so I paid for these 7-Eleven, 11-year-old kid snacks with that money, and uh, I think the guy gave me the wrong change, I think he gave me too much money back, which I'm still feeling guilty about, I counted it on the way out, and I I should have given him the money back because he he was so nice. What the fuck am I talking about? Okay, so I I oh, I gotta exit. I'm exiting I ninety five, headed toward. Oh, I think I missed the exit I was supposed to do earlier. Um, headed toward the Holland Tunnel. Uh, headed home. So I get the food, I, I, oh, and yeah, I was talking about my acid tummy. Was it the, was it the skunk or was it this batch of food that I ate? Because guess what? I didn't just nibble on some of those snacks. I didn't, I didn't uh, responsibly divvy up how I was going to eat it. I just fucking face fucked this bag of garbage food at 1130 PM in my car before I even left the rest stop. Well, I ate all the savory stuff there. And then on the drive to the motel, the red carpet in where they do not roll out the red carpet, I snacked on the, uh, the chocolate cream pie and I had, uh, some of the chocolate milk. And then I get to the motel where the man is not happy that I'm there at five minutes after midnight. Cause he's rolling out of bed to come downstairs to the office uh, I think he was barefoot. He was, he did not like me, but I got a room and I crash and I, uh, finish the, I eat the sleeve of donuts while staring at the wall because the TV doesn't work. There's no Wi-Fi at the red carpet in. And, uh, and I was just eating to, I, I think I, I, I did, I was not hungry anymore. One, one day, maybe I'll do a We'll do more stuff about my body and food issues that I'm having right now. But anyway, I, I, I ate the donuts as medication, and also I did not want any wildlife going for my donuts. I didn't know what kind of bugs were in the room. Like I just I made a decision to not look at the floor or really look too close at the bedding. I didn't bring any of my bags into the room. I left everything in the car except the essentials. And I, uh, I tried to get in bed as soon as I could because I had to get up this morning to drive home to see my family who I miss. Um, what is the point of why am I recording right now? Okay, I wanted to talk about money. I wanted to be transparent about how this is all working. Um, so Friday night, I had a show at Elizabethtown College. I was performing for the incoming freshmen. I do a, a comedy show about my experiences with alcoholism and my drinking and how I started drinking in college and how I knew it was a problem early on in my drinking, but I continued to do so anyway for nine years. Uh, and I put it, I, I talk about my whole thing so that people know, like, sometimes drinking and drugs can become problematic and what uh, I wish I would have done differently and what I could have been looking out for, etc. And that is my best money-making job within the comedy work I do because uh, colleges have money and they can pay people properly and 
uh, I, I was saying to Ross, we should just start getting into specific numbers with our listeners because uh, I think it, I think it's uh, interesting, and it's you know we we've been we've talked about going to DA meetings, and there's a thing in those meetings that it's all about clarity and being really clear about how much things cost, how much you're spending, how much you're making, how much you need, etc. So. Uh, this might be interesting to kind of dissect this weekend a little bit. Uh, so the the agency charges, uh, it's a little bit different for every school, but this school, they charge $2,000 for me to be there, plus a $225 flat travel fee. So the school paid $22.25 for me to appear there. My agency takes 20% of the performance fee, not the travel fee. So $400 goes to my agent uh, for doing whatever contracting work they do. It, that's their commission. So I get $1,600 plus $225. So I made $1,825 to work for a couple hours on Friday night. And I feel, I'm grateful for that. That's like... I won't see that money for probably a month or two. It takes a while to trickle back to me. But um, so those college gigs are the ones that uh, are the most efficient with making me money. Unfortunately, I'm not booking a ton of them. I, I don't know what's going on. I create a lot of leads. I introduce the people to my agent and then I never hear anything again. So I think I think I should just probably start representing myself so then nobody's getting a commission I can charge a lower number and maybe I'll book more schools I don't know if you are an administrator or an educator or a business entrepreneur you tell me what I should do Uh, so anyway that's the amount of money I made Friday night and thank God that gig went really really well I had such a good time um I won't get too into the details of that because this podcast is not what uh, what we talk. We don't talk about my comedy all that much on this podcast. So, anyway, uh, so that that's that's the money I made on Friday night. And by the way, uh, it it cost money to get there. Of course, you know I um, I just filled up the tank this morning with fifty dollars of gas, and on my way down there, I think I put in. $50 of gas. So let's say I spend $100 in gas to make this trip out to Pennsylvania and back home. I uh, The hotel room I got for the college uh, I think was 140 but I used some hot wire points that I had, so I paid about $65 for my room Friday night. And then the, the red carpet in... Uh, the motel, I, I, I searched purposely for motels with an M for the way home because I just needed a place to crash for six hours and then I was going to get back in the car. Um, I was also scouring Airbnb and I almost went to some random lady's house uh, in the middle of nowhere to, to just crash. But I just opted for the motel and that cost $75, uh, which was about 65 dollars too many for this room that I had last night. That's a whole other story. So gas, we got a hundred bucks. Accommodations, hotel accommodations, we got about 150 bucks. 
And then we got food. I'm eating food. I got to eat the food. I'm eating garbage food at 7-Eleven in the middle of nowhere in, in a rest stop. I'm eating Burger King. I think I had Burger King uh, twice or once. I had Wendy's. I did get a Wendy's salad. I got as much vegetables as I could. Uh, but I'm always getting shakes. I'm always getting... Uh, what's the Wendy's one? Frosties. So anyway, I but I try, I try to eat on the cheap because I'm trying to make a living here. So let's say I spent $60 on food, fast food this week. Maybe it was more. Maybe it was more like $70. Who knows? Um, and then the club in Hanover last night, Church of Satire, amazing club. Jim Bryan is such a cool, interesting person, comic, entrepreneur, really really cool and inspiring operation he has going on at this club. It's this little storefront that he converted into a comedy club that seats about 40 maybe. I think maybe they can get 40 in there. He he headlined it Friday night. I think he said they went over the fire capacity. Maybe they had 50 in there. I don't know. Uh, for my show, 26 people came out. They sold... Uh, I think he said they sold... 24 tickets at $15 each. Whatever it was, the club made $360 on tickets. I think that's the number. And uh, it's a BYOB club, so they, they, they're not making a lot of money with comedy. They have a ice cream stand next door, uh, and I think that's how they're making more money. But anyway, uh, he told me from the start when he booked me, because what I did, when I, what I do when I have these colleges, I'll I'll uh, reach out to people in the area if there's a club or if there's a producer in the area. I try to tack on more shows around whatever the trip is. And he said to me, you can do this show, but I'll be honest, it, it's not going to pay a lot. Um, and long story short, I got I headlined the club. I, I was on stage for an hour and, uh, you know, I got a hundred bucks for it and that's fine because I knew it going in but that's like that's like really not what a headliner should get paid of course um it depends on the market it depends on ticket sales all that stuff of course um and this guy by the way total class I, I love this man this guy Jim I would like to get him to know him more um but the point is a trip like this, if I didn't have the school show the night before, it would have been a total, like, loss of money. Like, I would have been spending so much money to go not make barely any money to perform at this club. So, uh, yeah, a hundred bucks, it, it, it's just so, so... I guess what I'm getting at is if I made... Let's say 1925 was the total that I made. Subtract, you know, subtract the few hundred dollars of expenses. And I did everything super lean, too. Like, I ate garbage food and I stayed at shitholes to, like, try to save as much money as I could. Uh, and I, there's also tolls. There's probably $40 in tolls or whatever. Um, so at the end of the day... Uh, I. I'm, I'm lucky to have the school shows, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm not really killing it right now. Uh, 
So, I don't know, I guess I just wanted to try to paint a picture of, like, how expensive it is to follow your dreams, <laughs> and how sort of financially reckless it is, uh, and, yeah, I guess, I guess this, this little segment is just an attempt at bringing people into, like, how this all works, um, so with that said, if you're if you're a fan of a comedian or an artist and they have something going on and you want to support it, like go to the, try to go to the thing and buy a ticket and be be a part of how they make their dream happen. Um, perhaps you can buy merch if they sell merch. That's a whole other thing I got to figure out is what what kind of silly thing can I sell at shows that'll help me put gas in the car on the way home, um, uh, yeah, like, yeah, try to buy the tickets, I, I'm so grateful when people, when I put on a show and people actually buy tickets and come out, I was, I've been kind of joking around that I think we gotta, we gotta normalize people buying tickets for things they don't even want to go to or they can't go to, like, if I'm doing a show, and a ticket is 15 bucks or whatever online, and uh, you want to support, like, go, feel free, buy the ticket, don't come, I don't care, uh, uh, I'm just trying to be able to afford something a step above the red carpet in next time, um, I think that's all I have for now, I, hopefully Ross and I will talk a little more about our financials, our day-to-day financials, because uh, I, like I said, I, I have three jobs, you know, I, I do this comedy stuff, live comedy, and then I'm working as a video editor for a, a, a documentary film right now, and uh, and then the, the coaching work, and juggling all these things is how I make my living, and Ross is juggling a few things, so maybe we can talk about that and Maybe her and I can get into the nitty-gritty of some of these business meetings we have where we talk about money. Um, So, with all that said, I'm in the Holland Tunnel. I should pay attention to traffic. I'm going home to relieve the sitter we hired for this weekend, who is our our, my dear mother-in-law, Jojo. That's what Franny calls her grandmother Jane, Jojo. She is on the playground with her right now. It's Sunday morning. Ross is teaching yoga. She's a weekend yoga hustler teaching classes on a Sunday. Uh, So I'm going to go find my child at the playground with JoJo once I get back to Brooklyn. But thank you for listening and supporting our podcast. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll cut back to whatever segment is next. up i'm back in the car i am watching a rat crawl under an air conditioning unit mounted to the wall wow that is a real it's not a catwalk it's a rat walk it's it's literally just walking along these pipes that feed or drain an air conditioning unit uh i'm in the car again in the parking lot behind the building i live in it is august 23rd 2023 Uh, Ross and I recorded our duo portion of this episode earlier today, 
Maybe this is the end of the episode. I don't know. I'm kind of like winging it here with uh, how to do this podcast now. So anyway, the point of me checking in now is that uh, it's 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 almost 10 o'clock at night, I think. And um, it's my 15th sober versary, sober anniversary, uh, sober birthday they call it in some states. In New York, they don't really do the birthday thing. Uh, in California, if, if you have an anniversary, somebody brings a birthday cake for you and they give a speech about you and you, you, you they sing happy birthday. In New York, it's just your anniversary. Um, but I, I like to think of it as a birthday too. Um, August 23rd is definitely a date that feels more important than my real birthday. I don't know. Um, 15 years ago last night, I was at a uh, Mets game in Queens, and I promised my girlfriend at the time that I would not get too drunk, and I or, or I wouldn't drink at all. I had actually promised her I wouldn't drink and that I would be home early. And uh, just like many times, I, uh, I, I got drunk, and I came home at 5 in the morning, after spending several hours at a Irish bar in Midtown trying to get other women to fall in love with me. So I had a big problem and it was never going to stop if I didn't stop. And uh, I don't know, thank God the right combination of conversations happened between my brother and that girlfriend and um, and myself and my a therapist I started seeing pretty quickly after my last drinks that night. Um, and I, I started, uh, I really committed to not doing it again. And, um, that's all sort of boring. I, I mean, I can tell that story, but I think what, what makes me feel so grateful now as a 42 year old man with 15 years of recovery and sobriety is, is best kind of commented on in the, through the lens of this last year. Um, I last summer was probably as close to drinking again as I have been the whole time. Uh, because last summer I was, uh, I can't remember the exact circumstances. I think I was working a lot. I think I was traveling a fair amount for gigs or maybe I wasn't doing enough gigs and I was frustrated by that. Uh, Franny was two years old and two felt really hard. And Ross and I have talked very openly about this, but we struggle the hardest we struggles when we're trying to parent together. And for some reason, everything felt very difficult when the two of us were trying to co-parent Franny at the same time. That's when things were as, as, uh, challenging as, as they have ever been. Um, I've been trying to write a bit about this that, you know, I love my daughter. I'm obsessed with my daughter. I love my wife. I'm obsessed with her. She's the love of my life. I, I'm, I have the hots for her still. I think she's the funniest woman I've ever met. I'm so attracted to her. I have so much fun with her. I adore her. Um, but I, when, when we put those two together and me together, you know, I, I love Franny. I love Ross. I hate my family. Um, that's not the truth. Of course, that's a, and I don't even think, 
I don't know. I don't hear any of you laughing, so I guess it's not a funny joke. But the point is, it's so hard. And the dynamics just change so much. Like, when Ross and I first got together, it's like this amazing, hot, fun, uh, rewarding relationship. And now, with a child, that all those dynamics change. And I'm sure we've talked about all that, and I'm sure we will talk about it more on the podcast. But the point is that last summer it got really, really challenging, and um, and I I started fantasizing about uh, drinking just just for the relief, just to turn all that frustration down in my head. Um, and uh, I remember I was sort of like plot like we keep this small office space where uh, if you watched on YouTube, maybe we'll put this up on YouTube. I don't know. Uh, that, that little office has no windows to the outside world. It's like, uh, a door that has some light that comes in from the, uh, fluorescent lights in the hallway, but there are no windows. And when the lights are off, it's pitch black in there. And I was picturing sitting alone in the dark, just drinking large amounts of beer, like just like a, a 24 pack by myself in the dark is what felt like the only thing that could make me feel relief and relaxation after several weeks of challenging parenting stuff and like feeling so annoyed with it all and so frustrated. And um, thank God, I you know, I didn't do that. And I uh, did go to a meeting and I talked about it. And, you know, I think I my meeting attendance had become quite sparse. I was doing a couple Zoom meetings, but very few in-person meetings. And I was totally disconnected from my recovery and the recovery community here. And uh, it got really dark. So I restarted going again. And I started taking more uh, recovery coaching work, which isn't really recovery for me, but it's um, it got me going to meetings with clients. Basically, I had to get engaged again with the program and thank god i did because it's it's just been great i i feel so lucky to be sober for this long i'm doing exactly what i want to do with my life i really uh you know sometimes i get hung up on man i wish i would have just stuck with this comedy thing from when i was 19 and i did some open mics in college and where would i be now and all that stuff but uh, everything happens for a reason. And here I am, uh, pretty healthy. You know, I, I think I mentioned somewhere else while I was recording that I feel pretty crappy about my body and my, my diet at the moment, but, um, I'm not drunk every fucking night and hung over every morning. Uh, I don't feel that kind of crappy feeling. And I, I'm not, constantly apologizing to people for insane things I said to them, uh, while I was drinking. So, um, I feel really lucky to be sober this long. You know, I got to admit, I thought I was going to come out to the car and some magical stuff was going to come out while I talked about this. Uh, but I, I guess it, I guess I'm tired. I'm probably tired. I did work three different jobs today. Uh, and I, I started my day at a meeting. I did get to go to a meeting and say today is 15 years and that felt really good. Um, and then right after the meeting, I had a zoom coaching session and then a zoom 
supervise supervision session through the for the agency for the coaching agency I work for and then uh, I did a bunch of video editing and then Ross came over we recorded we had our finance and business meeting and uh, and then I did some more video stuff and then we did child rearing child pickup child bed bath and beyond and bedtime and uh, and then Ross had a Zoom at night. Like, she just got back in from Zooming. So we're, we're kind of hustling all over the place uh, to, to make it all work. And I guess, I'm, I guess I'm grateful for that, you know? Like, if I kept going the way I was going 15 years ago, I think, I think I'd ha probably have many more children, possibly an ex-wife by now. I don't know. Uh probably liver damage and, um, you know, I'm trying to be gentle with myself about the look of my body and all these things, but I have a feeling it would look much, much worse and feel much, much worse if I continued to drink. So, um, yeah, I just feel really lucky. Uh, what else did I want to say? God, I, I really feel like I'm, this is going to be a way to peter out to peter out of an episode but um that's okay i i guess i i just want to make it really really clear that i am sincerely grateful to all the people that have like helped uh you know i need i need a community setting to get and stay sober i need to be around other people if i tried to do this myself, I'm sure it would not have lasted anywhere near this long. Um, you know, last summer is the perfect example. I would have just drank and said, fuck it. Um, and I did, you know, before I actually quit and committed to quitting, I tried, you know, I tried to do it on my own a few times. I made all those promises to that girlfriend I was with and, uh, it never stuck. So I, I need people and, um, it's, I just feel so lucky that there's so many resources in this city and groups to go to and meetings to attend. And I've had so many different um, kind of uh, side, side quests in recovery. Uh, I've attended, uh, Ross and I talked about Debtors Anonymous today. I've attended the S meetings, the, the sex and love related meetings. I've checked out, I've checked out the ones about other people in your life who have a problem, Al-Anon or uh, adult children meetings, like these, the, all of these things are resources that are available. I guess what I'm now doing is transitioning into, if you're still listening and you think you might have a problem, uh, maybe try these things. Uh, the, 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 it, and I mean that sincerely, if, if you ever want to investigate this stuff, just, just hit the hit the Google tab on your Google machine and, uh, look up where to, where to go to be around other human beings with a similar problem going on. Um, or, or call me, text me, whatever. I'm happy to, happy to point you toward things I did that worked for me. Um, and with that said, I was thinking I should start promoting, uh, shows properly. Uh, I'll probably put this podcast up before the end of the week. So uh, if you're hearing this, uh, Friday, August 25th, 
I will be in Jersey City for two shows at the Laugh Tour Comedy Room in, at Dorian's Red Hand. It's off the Newport stop in uh, uh, Jersey City. Saturday night, the Tiny Cupboard in Bushwick I'll be at for two shows. Tuesday the 29th, I'm doing a spot at the Grizzly Pear Comedy Club in Midtown. That's 54th Street, I believe. Oh, Saturday, September 9th, I'm headlining in North Adams, Massachusetts at the... Uh, Mass Mocha Brewery. I think it's a different name, but it's right near the Mass Mocha Museum. That's North Adams, Massachusetts, Saturday, September 9th. Uh, September 11th, we're bringing Franny to Tribeca Pediatric at 4 p.m. for flu shots. So come out to that if you're free. Uh, September 13th is a Wednesday. I'll be in Monroe, New York at a restaurant. I can't remember the name, but Monroe, New York, Orange County, New York. Wednesday, September 13th. September 14th, Thursday, I'll be at QED in Queens at 9 p.m. on the new material night show. Oh, and then this is fun. Monday, September 18th through Saturday, September 23rd, I'll be going all through upstate New York for a bunch of colleges and some random shows. Uh, I'll be at SUNY Oneana, Jamestown Community College, Tompkins, Cortland Community College, uh, Hyde Park, New York on Saturday the 23rd for a fundraiser uh, that I think is open to the public because they want to raise money. Um, and I think we're going to work in uh, Ithaca College on Friday the 22nd. If you're in any of those upstate Finger Lakes areas or western New York areas and you have any connections with high schools up there, I was thinking of pitching myself to do my drinking show at some high schools up in that area. So anyway... This has gone on for far too long. I think I'm definitely talking people to sleep. So thanks for listening. Please keep checking back with the We Hired a Sitter for this podcast. We're, we're really proud of it. And thanks for everybody with, who, who checked in and said they listened to the first episode back. It's, it's so, such a cool feeling to know that anybody cares about what we have to talk about. And yeah, I'm just, just grateful. I, 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 like I said, I need this space to be able to express myself and talk out loud about stuff. So thanks again.